and welcome to D20 Dudes, a tabletop role-playing podcast where the die decides our topic. Today, we are going to be discussing the Shinto priesthood. And I know some of you sharp-eyed, just sharp-minded listeners will think, Hey, hey Dylan, you said you were going to talk about the Oni last time, you liar! Well, you're correct. I did say I was going to talk about the Oni last time, but there is something I really want to get into with the Oni that requires some knowledge of the Shinto priesthood first, and I feel like it's important to go over the Shinto priesthood, how it affects Tenra, and kind of set the basis for something I believe they have in relation to the Oni that I will then talk about in the next episode. I, I don't, don't beat me up for this one. We will talk about Oni in the next one, but... I do think it's important to get into this first. The reasons will become apparent. First and foremost, we will go over mechanics. The Shinto are mechanically very, very simple. For the most part, it's just you build a Shinto priest as an archetype, and they gain access to a certain amount of powers as long as they have a Meikyo mirror. Your Shinto rank will as in the Shinto skill rank, will determine how high-ranking you are within the priesthood itself, and therefore what kind of privileges you have and how important you are in the priesthood, which is why it's one of the few skills that is under station as a uh, skill. Because you have to be very important to be part of the priesthood. The priesthood basically controls all of Tenra. After that point, you have a make your soul mirror, as every member of the priesthood will, and you use your interface ability with that to do certain kind of religious rituals that will allow you to do a few magical effects, things like appeasing the local kami or summoning rain or just communing with spirits in general, uh, communicating over vast distances through the Makyo mirror. It's basically every one of these Shinto spells, as it were, has a... A, a number you have to hit, you, you roll your Shinto skill, and as long as you get enough successes, the skill succeeds, with a few of them gaining a few extra effects as long as you gain a, a certain amount of extra successes. So they're not a terribly complicated kind of archetype to play mechanically. It's really in the roleplay where a Shinto character is going to be very interesting, because you could play something like a, uh, a wandering priest who goes from town to town, appeasing the local kami and uh, kind of reporting back to their superiors. Or you could play a high-ranking mem high member of the priesthood, and you you have to be on some like grand mission, obviously. And being as you're part of the priesthood, most of the common folk are not going to question you. The priesthood is the be-all, end-all of their life. They know that if the priesthood's in town, something's up, and it's way above them. They have no business poking their nose into it. They just need to let this person do what they're going to do and get on with their lives. So you, from a role-play perspective, you'll get kind of a lot of leeway uh, because you are supposed to be someone very important. But from a combat perspective, if you just go a Shinto priest, you're not going to really have much. So you're really going to want to go with some archetypes that maybe give you some combat. Maybe be like a monk if you really want to go into being you know, just the priest or maybe a samurai, just something that'll like round you out if you really do want to be a combat character, but also a member of the priesthood. Now, in lore is where you start getting some very interesting things with the priesthood going on. 
because Tenra's history, as far as what is fully 100% documented, only goes back about 400 years, starting whenever the great armor Susanoo defeated the Orochi. At that point, it, that's that's literally what the common man in Tenra would know as history, and that happened about 400 years ago, uh, in terms of what would be considered the most most recent or most modern timeline. And from that from that point back, people have no idea what's going on. However, the priesthood's records go back close to 3,000 years, so similar to you know what would be you know, modern recorded history for us. But the weird thing there is that the priesthood has access to incredibly advanced technology, whereas the common man in Tenra, the most advanced thing they should see is like a, a powder musket. That That's like the most advanced technology they've ever seen. Most people are farmers and are literally living like very ancient Japanese lifestyle, like rice farming, and actually having to give most of their rice to the local lords and local regents, and you know, living off of whatever side dishes they can sustain. And it's a very agrarian, very old kind of lifestyle. It's almost feudal. Whereas the members of the priesthood have castles flying in the sky they have mirrors that allow them to transpose their souls into giant robots they have swords that can fire soul gems that allow them to channel spirit energy like a gun they have autonomous machines powered by the souls of dead humans that can fight on behalf of them like they have all of this insane wild technology and no one knows why only the priesthood has access to this stuff, even whenever the northern priesthood happened. And they began to share the secrets to creating their Makio mirrors. We were only, or I say we, the common people in Tenra were only able to create vastly inferior versions of it, what they called Kimenkyo. And after that point, they didn't share anything else. So humans have access to Kimenkyo mirrors and with uh, the advent of some you know, anesthetic technology and like you know, a, a few other things they let trickle out whenever the Northern Priesthood came to power. Um, they were able to create like Kijin, the cyborgs and that kind of thing. So most common men have access to very little, but the priesthood just has like mind bogglingly advanced technology, even for what would be considered us in the modern day. And that's a huge disparity. And it, it, it begs a few questions. Where did this technology come from? Where did any of it come from? Why why isn't it ubiquitous? If humans have access to this, this technology, how come only some of them have access to it? And because they have access to this technology, why doesn't the Shinto priesthood directly rule the world? They very easily could overwhelm everyone and just take over if they wanted to, but instead they play these power games where they give favor to some regents... Uh, they take favor away from others. They control war, and they propagate war. Why is that? Why do they do this? This, I think, can be somewhat addressed by going back in the priesthood's timeline. You see, it was said 
that time ago, the priesthood actually had a bridge directly to heaven. And it is in the myth that all humans descended from heaven. And at Mount Jinrai, where that bridge was, was the place where humans descended from heaven and came to the land of Tenra. Now, there are a few conflicting things going on here. There are the common beliefs that the Shinto priesthood came from heaven and that they are the only ones who descended from heaven. Uh, there is the Oni belief that all humans came from heaven and that they are actually all invaders to the land of Tenra and that only the Oni are the natives. And then there's the Shinto version wherein the Shinto priesthood came from heaven and discovered that the Oni were monsters, that they were liars, and that they only wanted to destroy the human way of life. And because only the priesthood has those records that date back that far, only they know the actual truth. Presumably some of the Oni may as well, but no one communicates with them. Most of the common people of Tenra see the Oni as monsters and will refuse to associate with them, so they won't listen to their words. They will say it's all lies. And that in itself is strange. Why would they do that? Why would they say that the Oni are all monsters if there's no evidence to back that? And we're going to get into that in the Oni episode because there's actually a very, I'm not going to say good reason, but they do have a reason why that happened. Um, after that, there was an event called the Two-Month Night. Something happened wherein Mount Jinrai, the center of the Shinto priesthood, basically the center of the world as all of Tenra knew it, collapsed that mountain fell in on itself and a, a celestial body called the phantom star plummeted from the heavens smashed into Mount Jinrai and completely obliterated it there's just a giant crater that opened up to the sea that smashed Mount Jinrai and flooded it's just full that technology Whatever was there, most of it's destroyed. Whatever can be gained has to be, you have to dive very deep to be able to get your hands on it. And the Shinto priesthood, of course, is very closely regulating anything that comes out of it. And it created such a huge cloud of dust, debris, and smoke that all of the world was covered just in this huge blanket of smoke that completely blocked the sun for two months. And it caused the Shah or kind of the natural magical energy of the world of Tenra, to just go dead for that entire two months. A lot of the old Shinto flying fortresses plummeted out of the sky. Yoroi armors no longer functioned. Kongoki no longer functioned. Um, anything that relied on a Meikyo would just kind of shut down. Uh, Onmyoji could not summon their Shikigami spirits. It was a bad time, and the uh, Ayakashi ended up being able to kind of flood over the, the humans and kind of created a lot of chaos, created a lot of havoc during this time. And, in, and during this two-month night, chaos reigned entirely, and people thought that the Shinto priesthood had been entirely decimated. They watched their, their home, the, the center of the priesthood, get just obliterated by some celestial body that fell from the sky. And as far as they knew, the priesthood was gone until at the end of this two months, suddenly... Uh, a fortress flew into the sky. Genshikyo, the floating palace 
uh, rose into the sky and let loose a blast of Shaw energy so powerful it obliterated all these clouds. It allowed the sun to shine down once again. And everything was restored to working order. The people were able to push the Ayakashi back. The priesthood uh, announced its presence once again uh, with the empress of this court of the Shinto priesthood, Genshi Daigo, deciding we need to be more transparent. We need to connect with the common people of Tenra. She refuses to wear a mask, wherein everyone else in the priesthood wears a mask to conceal their identity. Because when you're part of the priesthood, you are supposed to transcend your mortality. You are no longer the human you once were. You are something divine. So the higher rank you are in the priesthood, the more of your face you cover. But Genshi Daigo decided, no, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to show the people of Tenra that I am one of them and that we are not to be feared. So she showed her face and showed that she was a very charming young woman. And she decided we are going to start sharing our technology. And she shared the secrets of how to make the Makio mirrors with the common man. Now, as people who have been listening to the series will know that they can't, the, the common folk can't quite make a Meikyo the way that the Shinto can, and that's where the Kimenkyo mirrors come from. They're not as good as the Meikyo mirrors, but they do a lot of the same functions, just in a more mechanical way. So because of that, a lot of technology spreads across Tenra, like anesthetics that allow surgeries to go more smoothly, which allows the creation of the Kijin cybernetics, um, the... Uh, Kimen armors become very popular because now these armors can be mass-produced. Uh, but it also kind of throws things into turmoil because the Northern Priesthood, as it is now called, no longer circulates Meikyo mirrors. They don't give Meikyo mirrors anymore. So only the Kimenkyo get used. Whereas a, another court of the Priesthood that decided they wanted to stick to the old ways of secrecy, called the Southern Priesthood, decided they have their own emperor they have their own ways of doing things. They're going to continue being secretive, and they're going to continue propagating war and distrust through the dispensary of these Makio mirrors the way they used to. So now you've got the war between the North and the South, where the North have decided we have this giant floating citadel, and that is our base, and the Southern Priesthood kind of went back to their old ways, found an old mountain, and hollowed it out and made a new fortress there. So now you've got this huge war going on between the North and the South, and that goes on for a couple hundred years when finally there is an all-out war between the two. The Northern Priesthood wins, finally. The Southern Court refuses to bow to the Northern Court, so the, the Northern Emperor at the time beheads the Southern Emperor, and they are all assimilated into the Northern Court, becoming the, just the Shinto Priesthood once again. But that, once again, completely limits... Makio dispensary. There are no more Makio being dispensed by the Shinto priesthood. The Makio that already exist out in the world are not being confiscated, and that means they are now being traded kind of in a black market fashion. Um, so it still makes things like Yoroi armors very rare. Uh, people using Makio, like you generally have to be part of the priesthood to get your hands on a new one. Otherwise, you're going to have to go kind of into the shadier markets or have a regent who already owns one who thinks you are just the coolest person, give it to you. Now, there's been a lot of secrecy going on in this, a lot of lying. Uh, and why Why does the priesthood do this instead of just being open and transparent? I believe it is because the Shinto priesthood 
definitely wants there to be a lower class, an army of people at their beck and call that they can use whenever they desire. And once again, we'll get more into this whenever I go into the Oni episodes. But they are basically using war as a form of control over Tenra. Uh, they're, they're doing that by controlling who has power and who has power taken away. Um, and if anybody ever directly defies the Shinto priesthood, they tend to just get crushed, just completely decimated, because they have this hyper-advanced technology. Who could possibly stand up to it? Uh, and that, that really begs the question of what was that celestial body that kind of showed the priesthood, hey, you guys are mortals too, and like basically smashed their faces in. Um, and I, I believe this kind of calls into question that whole like bridge to heaven analogy. And now I'm, I'm going to get into some, oh, we're going to go down the rabbit hole. We're going to be, we're going to start conspiracy theorizing here because it is my belief that all humans are in fact aliens. Now, I don't believe everyone from the priesthood was a human, at least not originally. Here's my thought, that the bridge to heaven was not an analogy. It was um, it was a way for the common folk of Tenra to describe a space elevator. I think the Shinto priesthood was a highly advanced alien civilization that traveled to the world of Tenra and colonized it with humans. Humans being their basic workforce, I think, probably were a lower class wherein the higher members of the Shinto priesthood back in time may have been a more advanced alien civilization that either created or propagated this technology and the humans were just their workers. Maybe over time, something happened. Maybe there was a miscommunication somewhere, or maybe there was a revolt within the priesthood. Maybe the lower priesthood was the human members of the priesthood, wherein the higher priesthood could have been the aliens. But I think, I think that that space elevator, uh, and possibly whatever was on the other side of it, were the phantom star that fell. There was possibly a revolt, and it caused that entire elevator, as well as whatever orbiting station, to crash, to collapse to the ground, to fall with such velocity that created an impact crater that destroyed Mount Jinrai and all recorded evidence of this alien race. And since only the Shinto priesthood has access to these records that claim otherwise, the people of Tenra now no longer think that there were any aliens that they served under because this is the lie that has been propagated for so long that no, the Shinto, the Shinto priesthood is just an order of humans that have this incredible technology. Uh, but we are the natives of Tenra. This is our world, and we rule it. So I think, this is my theory, that it is in fact uh, an advanced alien civilization that was the original Shinto priesthood. They kind of made this religion to kind of keep the, the lower um, humans in line using kind of a liaison of the Shinto priesthood down below to connect with the higher beings of these aliens. And some disagreement happened, and that's why we no longer have them around. And this is going to play into the Oni, because Tenra doesn't have a whole lot of natural resources. 
The one thing it does have in terms of natural resources that could be useful to an alien species is scarlet steel, which is very durable, almost impossible to destroy by normal means, and can also be forged into soul gems, which can control Sha energy. There is one other thing that Tenra has, because ordinarily, if it's just a planet and you're just colonizing it, okay, whatever, but why Why would there, Why would they specifically come to Tenra? Is Tenra a unique world? Is Tenra one of hundreds that are Earth-like within this potential universe that the Shinto priesthood exists in? And there is, I believe an answer to that question in the Oni. So, I will talk about that in the next episode. I I know I've just kind of been rambling in this one. There's not a whole lot mechanically to the Shinto Priesthood, uh, and we don't need to roll the dice for this episode because we already know what we're going to be talking about next one. Um, But thank you, everyone, for listening. I want to thank my patrons, Ari, Word, Jenny, and Ken. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for donating what you do to try and keep the podcast moving. It really means a lot to me, so thank you guys. Uh, If you want to become a patron, there's going to be a link to that down in the description. If you want to get in touch with us, if you want to find us on Facebook or Twitter, uh, links for those will be down in the description, but you can find us D20Dudes on Facebook, D20Dudes on Twitter, just anywhere. Social media, just find us. Uh, And there will also be a link down in the description to our Discord server. It's open to everyone. If you want to come say hi, if you have suggestions for future episodes you want to hear about, uh, pop on in. Let me know. And we'll add them to the list. So thank you, everyone, for listening. Next week, we are going to talk about the Oni. um, And I will see you guys then. Thank you very much, and goodbye.